Thanks again for tuning in to the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast. This episode will be one in which I will be taking frequent breaks to review the matter that I am discussing. And I am reading from an article, uh, Habitat Requirements of Salmonoids in Streams by T.C. Bjorn and D.W. Reiser. This is an older paper, but it has some excellent information on spawning necessities, temperature, and such. Um, I'll read a quick paragraph to start here. And uh, this episode of the Salmon Trout Steelheader podcast is again brought to you by Al's Goldfish. Thank you for your constant support, Al's Goldfish. Uh, as I've mentioned before, they're not only a sponsor of the show, but also happen to be an absolutely deadly spoon option. Both the original Goldfish and then also the 49er has proven itself, in my experience, in Alaska and Washington and Oregon to be a phenomenal coho spoon. Um, <clears throat> this first uh, section that I'm going to read is called Upstream Migration of Adults. Adult salmonoids returning to their natal streams must reach spawning grounds at the proper time and with sufficient energy reserves to complete their life cycle. Stream discharges, water temperatures, and water quality must be suitable during at least a portion of the migration season. Native stocks of salmon trout and char that have evolved in stream systems with fluctuations in flow, turbidity, and temperature have often developed behaviors that enable survival despite the occurrence of temporarily unfavorable conditions. Native salmonoids usually have sufficient extra time in their maturation, migration, and spawning schedules to accommodate delays caused by normally occurring low flows, high turbidities, or unsuitable temperatures. When upstream migration is not delayed, the fish in some stocks that migrate long distances arrive in the spawning areas one to three months before they spawn. Some stocks of fish that migrate short distances may not move into natal streams until shortly before spawning, but they must often wait in the ocean, lake, or river for flows or temperatures in the spawning streams to become suitable. So... This little section refers to um, the fact that salmon and steelhead must wait for the right conditions in order to spawn and migrate. And uh, as we know, there are differences between spring and fall Chinook. There are differences between uh, summer and winter steelhead. And it's kind of a similar interaction where spring Chinook and summer steelhead will enter the river with... Uh, without being sexually mature, and they will wait for numerous months before spawning. I mean, some summer steelhead have been observed to wait in the river for 12 to 14 months before spawning. Um, sometimes less, uh, sometimes it's in that range. Uh, there's a ton of variability in that life cycle, but... Um, I, this is just kind of anecdotal. I don't 100% have scientific backing for that. But, but it, it does seem that spring Chinook and summer steelhead can certainly hold back for much longer and have a much more variable migration period. Whereas winter steelhead and fall Chinook that enter are already sexually mature and thus they need to spawn within a relatively short amount of time. So 
they're going to kind of move up against all odds and have to enter the river despite um, some circumstances. And so there's a lot of variability, and I do believe that Summer Steelhead and Spring Chinook can wait longer, they can move earlier, later. There's more variability with migration as opposed to Winter Steelhead and Fall Chinook. The next section I'm going to read is called Temperature. Salmon and trout respond to stream temperatures during their upstream migrations. Delays in upstream migration because natal streams were too warm have been observed for sockeye salmon, chinook salmon, and steelhead. Bell, in 1986, reported that Pacific salmon and steelhead have migrated upstream at temperatures between 3 and 20 Celsius. Um... And how about I do a quick check, just because I'm not super familiar with the ratio of Celsius to Fahrenheit. Um, so um, I'm just doing a quick search. So 3 degrees Celsius is 37.4 degrees Fahrenheit. And let's go to 20. And that would be 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So a fairly wide range there. Streams can be too cold as well as too warm for upstream migrating salmonoids. Cutthroat and rainbow trout have been observed waiting for tributaries to warm in spring before entering them to spawn. Adult steelhead that return from the sea in summer and autumn and then spend the winter in inland rivers before spawning the following spring Overwinter in larger rivers downstream from their natal streams because the smaller headwater streams are often ice-choked during winter. We believe adult steelhead overwinter in the larger rivers because survival is higher there and the slightly higher temperatures in the river enable timely maturation. Stream temperatures can be altered by removal of stream bank vegetation, withdrawal and return of water for agricultural irrigation, release of water from deep reservoirs, and cooling of nuclear power plants. Unsuitable temperatures can lead to disease outbreaks and migrating and spawning fish, altered timing of migration, and accelerated or retarded maturation. Most stocks of anadromous salmonoids have evolved with the temperature patterns of the streams they use for migration and spawning, and deviations from the normal pattern could adversely affect their survival. Dissolved oxygen. Reduced concentrations of dissolved oxygen can adversely affect swimming performance of migrating salmonoids. Maximum sustained swimming speeds of juvenile and adult coho salmon at temperatures of 10 to 20 degrees Celsius. And again, let's check this. So 10 degrees is 50 Fahrenheit. And 20 degrees Celsius is 68 degrees Fahrenheit. So, the maximum sustained swimming speeds of juvenile and adult coho salmon were reduced when DO, which is dissolved oxygen, dropped below air saturation levels and performance declined sharply when dissolved oxygen fell to 6.5 to 7.0 milligrams per liter, I believe that is. It says Mg slash L at all temperatures tested. So essentially what this uh, what this is saying is that dissolved oxygen 
is also a factor in the swimming abilities, um, certainly among coho salmon, both adult and juvenile, which I'm sure carries across to other salmonoid species. It says that uh, brook trout declines similarly. So dissolved oxygen in the water is related to temperature. Turbidity. Migrating salmonoids avoid waters with high silt loads or cease migration when such loads are unavoidable. Bell, in 1986, cited a study in which salmonoids did not move in streams where the suspended sediment concentration exceeded 4,000 milligrams a liter as a result of a landslide. Timing of arrival at spawning grounds by Chinook salmon that migrate upstream during snowmelt Runoff can vary by a month or more, depending on the concentration of suspended solids in rivers along their migration route. In the lower Columbia River, the upstream migration of salmon may be retarded when secchi disc readings are less than 0.6 m. And I must admit, I do not know what that m is referring to. Not a biologist, um, not a scientist, just someone that's very interested in the biology of salmon and steelhead. High turbidity in rivers may delay migration, but turbidity alone generally does not seem to affect the homing of salmonoids very much. In studies after the eruption of Mount St. Helens in 1980, Whitman, in 1982, found that salmon preferred natal stream water without volcanic ash in an experimental flume, but that they recognized their natal streams despite the ash and attempted to ascend them. Quinn and Fresh, in 1984, reported that the rate of straying of Chinook salmon in the Cowlitz River hatchery was low and unaffected by the 1980 eruption, but that many coho salmon in the Tootle River, the Cowlitz River tributary most affected by the eruption, did stray to nearby streams in 1980 and 1981. And I would add that I do believe um, steelhead were affected extremely in that case as well. And if you look at uh, steelhead populations of rivers around the time of the eruption, there are some incredible anomalies. Now the next section I'm going to read is called Barriers. Waterfalls, debris jams, and excessive water velocities may impede migrating fish. Falls that are insurmountable at one time of the year may be passed by migrating fish at other times when flows have changed. Stewart, in 1962, determined in laboratory studies that leaping conditions for fish are ideal when the ratio of height of falls to depth of pool below the falls is 1 to 1.25. Given suitable conditions, salmon and steelhead can get past many obstacles that appear to be barriers. Both Jones in 1959 and Stewart in 1962 observed salmon jumping over obstacles 2 to 3 meters in height. Although I would mention here that I'm sure that chum salmon were not included in that. I would assume this is mostly Chinook, Coho, and Sockeye. Chum are not great jumpers. Powers and Osborne in 1985, analyzed barriers to upstream migrating fish in terms of barrier geometry, stream hydrology, and fish capabilities. They reported the abilities of 
salmon and trout to pass over barriers depended on the swimming velocity of the fish, the horizontal and vertical distances to be jumped, and the angle to the top of the barrier. Riser and Peacock in 1985 computed maximum jumping heights of salmonoids on the basis of darting speeds. These heights range from 0.8 meters from brown trout to more than 3 meters for steelhead. And I'm sure, as many of you know, perhaps you've seen steelhead jumping waterfalls. They're pretty incredible. There's a reason that summer steelhead often occupy the highest sections of rivers that other salmonoids cannot reach. The swimming abilities of fish are usually described in three categories of speed. Cruising speed, the speed a fish can swim for an extended period of time, usually ranging from 2 to 4 body lengths per second sustained speed. The speed a fish can maintain for a period of several minutes, ranging from 4 to 7 body lengths a second, and darting or burst speed. The speed a fish can swim for a few seconds, ranging from 8 to 12 body lengths per second. According to Bell in 1986, cruising speed is used during migration, sustained speed for passage through difficult areas, and darting speed for escape and feeding. Water velocities of 3 to 4 meters per second approach the upper sustained swimming ability of large fish like salmon and steelhead. Debris jams, whether natural or caused by human activities, can prevent or delay upstream migration. Chapman, in 1962, cited a study in which a 75% decrease in number of spawning salmon in one stream was attributed to blockage by debris. On the other hand, many debris jams can be easily passed by fish and they often form pools and provide cover for fish. Removal of debris areas should be done with care to avoid sedimentation of downstream spawning and rearing areas and loss of hydraulic stability. So this is just a little section of a biological paper that I've been reading through that is very interesting. And if you would like me to continue to kind of read into these more scientific studies of uh, salmon and steelhead, uh, please get in touch with me at lucasholmgrenmedia at gmail.com. That is L-U-C-A-S-H-O-L-M, as in Mary, G-R-E-N, as in Nancy, media, M-E-D-I-A, at gmail.com. Just get in touch, and if you like these sort of podcasts where we get into the more scientific stuff, I would love to hear from you, or you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook, Lucas Holmgren. Or you can email customer service at Amato Books and tell them to let me know. Uh, they're usually handling the customer service aspects of sending you books and magazines from Salmon Trout Steelheader, Great Lakes Angler, and Amato Books. And the best way you can support this podcast is by subscribing to either magazine or both or buying books off amatobooks.com. I assure you there's some wonderful information there. So would you guys like to go into this a bit more? I know I would like to, but I need to hear from you. If you're more just into techniques and tips, that's totally okay. But if you'd like to hear a little bit more 
about the scientific aspects of salmon and steelhead, email me at lucashomegrenmedia at gmail.com and let's hear from you. And also feel free to ask me any questions or give suggestions, feedback, good and bad. I truly do love to hear from you. I get to meet a lot of you on the river, get to see you guys at sportsman shows and such. Adam, remember coming up and uh, talking to me right as I was talking about the podcast to someone else? I just really appreciate it when I get to run into you people. Salmon Trout Steelheader is a wonderful magazine. I've got some articles coming up. And please make sure you subscribe so you can get that right to your mailbox. But, uh, hey, what do you think? Email me. Let us know. Should we talk more about this stuff? All right, you guys have a wonderful Memorial Weekend. And uh, good luck fishing.